guys, and welcome to the 50th episode of Saul's in the City. How insane. Um, I, so I'm doing something a little different for this episode. Um, in addition to having an extended solo, I have compiled little segments of a few of my um, most memorable moments from past episodes so these aren't necessarily like my favorite episodes I love all the conversations I've had with people but they're more the ones that like have each taught me something over this past year um so I wanted to like give room for reflection and um yeah and just also just play some clips that make me really happy and share those with you guys but before I dive into that I wanted to talk about something that was I guess yeah so I don't know I've been thinking a lot about like what I want to do with Salsa in the City and how I want to brand isn't the right word but you know if I want to put myself in the brand a little bit more like give a face to a name kind of thing or keep it pretty just like anonymous and I've decided I I do want to interact more with everyone and and just talk more about my own life because I think it's important and I obviously don't mind doing it because I mean I'm talking about my life in every other episode but it's usually with another person so I wanted to tell you guys a little bit of like what's been on my mind this past couple of weeks um just so you all know that like even though I am this mental health advocate I do still go through shit and I I'm in no way like recovered from anything. Like I don't think I'll ever be to be completely honest. I think it's a constant, you know, journey and it's like a huge roller coaster, especially when you have anxiety or depression or any mental illness. And so I definitely have my ups and downs. I a hundred percent go through shit and I just wanted to share this own thing that's been in on my mind because hopefully it resonates with someone. And if it does, please let me know because I think about it a lot. So I've, I've been really thinking recently about how sometimes I don't exactly like practice what I preach. Like to give you an example, I will post something on my Instagram about like self love and self care and not to care what other people think. And today is going to be a great day and like things like that. And I do see value in posting them. Obviously I, I I want everyone to see that and give it to like, and for people to feel motivated to, you know, not let small things get to them. But there are days when I will post something like that. And then I'll just like also simultaneously be really sad about something in my life and be crying. And I'm, and I, I kind of take a step back and I'm like, this is so weird. Like, am I, not being authentic by posting something that's so upbeat and positive while I myself am hurting so much. And it's made me be like kind of pulled in two directions. I'm like, who am I posting this for? Is it for myself? And like, if I, if I can't relate to it, why am I even sharing it? And, um, I think this all came to the epitome when I was, I've been puppy sitting dogs, which is amazing. I highly recommend it. And, I had to return my sweet little Yorkie poo. (laughs) Um, It wasn't mine, but I had to bring it back to its owner on a Thursday morning at like 6 a.m. And I got up and was walking this dog back to 57th and 9th, which is very far from my apartment. And it was like kind of raining and I dropped off the dog and then as I leave, I'm like leaving to go back to my apartment, it starts pouring. And there's this thing in um, literature called pathetic fallacy where the weather matches the mood or tone of the book. And I was like, this is spot on. Like I was, you know, feeling really sad and all of a sudden it's rainy and gray and I'm alone and wet and without any umbrella or rain jacket or whatever so yeah it sucked and I was just like crying with all like the construction people were the only other people awake and it was just I mean in hindsight it was kind of a funny scene probably but it it sucked um 
and I got, I finally like grabbed a cab and was able to cab home. And I was in the, while I was there, I was like, shit, I need to talk to someone. So I called my friend who actually was on the podcast. Um, and she works in like, she's had training for counseling. So she's just like a really great soundboard. And I was like, Liz, like, and I explained to her, I'm like, do you ever feel like this? Do you ever not like, do you ever not practice what you preach? Do you ever feel like you're not being your authentic self? Um, and I don't honestly remember what she said, but she was as always just so helpful and let me kind of vent and cry. And then I was saying like how I was, I was having this like internal battle and I didn't really know what to do. And she's like, why don't you just talk about it on your podcast? And I was like, wow, that's a great point. And I've been meaning to do a solo episode. I've been meaning to, especially now, because when this goes out, it will be my birthday. So if anyone wants to wish me a happy birthday, just a little reminder. Um, but I, I do really, as I've mentioned in so many episodes, find podcasting to be so cathartic. Like I cannot explain how amazing it feels to just speak my mind into this microphone and I don't know it's it's weird I guess it's like I mean it is a form of journaling in some ways it's just verbal journaling and then when it releases it's like okay it's it's out now I don't know it's just a really great feeling and it 100% feels like a huge weight is lifted off my chest every single time I post an episode so you know having a set time just to reflect on something I've been going through and speak it into this microphone and then know that it you know in a couple of days it's going to be out there for the world it's just weirdly perfect and for that I am so grateful for Sauce in the City I'm so grateful for all of you listeners and I just really yeah, I'm just really, really, um, like excited for a new season and excited to share my reflections with you all. So thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you, I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> I'm puppy sitting a dog and he's licking it. Oh, oh my gosh. Can you hear that? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I need to wash these now. <laughs> Anyways, without further ado, um, here's a little bit of story behind the podcast and some memorable moments. So I'm really excited to share. Let's go back to October 22nd, 2019. I come up with the idea of hosting a podcast. And it's funny because I still have like pictures of the DMs I was sending my friends about this. And I I even found the one where I found, they like, picked the name and I was like, oh my gosh, I can call it Sauce in the City. And I remember going to dinner at Tara Rose in like Kipps Bay and talking with a couple of friends and saying I was starting a podcast. I think like when I first mentioned it, even I was kind of like, this is so funny. Like, no, like, of course, Zoe's starting a podcast. And I like how I said that in third person because even I was probably like saying that the same thing. Um, But yeah, then I just started reaching out to people and I'll never forget getting that message back from Matt James and then Francis Ellis, I even remember where I was with Francis. I was in line at Sweetgreen and I get a DM from Francis saying, sure. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, is this real life? Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, I'm still so in shock that that happened and forever, ever, ever grateful that it did because I really don't think I would have kept up with it if I didn't see such positive feedback like immediately which probably isn't the best thing but you know it's probably true um but yeah so 
I'm going to play some clips from those two episodes as well because I I think there's some important points that um, both Matt and Francis get into. Um, so first, here's, here's a little clip with the next Bachelor. With ABC Food Tours, um, when I was in college, I, I really enjoyed working with students and I didn't feel like I was empowered to have those conversations and those interactions with students anymore because I wasn't an athlete. I was just a, a guy working at a real estate brokerage firm. And um, no one's getting hype about someone coming in who works at a real estate place uh, to talk about their life or what's going on. So yeah. I'm like, how can I get these kids excited about like what we have going on so that we can um, use that time with them to just kind of talk about our experience and just help mold them into the young men that they can become. And um, it was it was numerous conversations with friends like Javier and Tyler about um, our vision for what we wanted to do with ABC Food Tours. And uh, it really all came uh, to a point when I was leaving one of my favorite restaurants in the Lower East Side, uh, Bob White's Counter. It's in Alphabet City, 6th Street and Avenue C. And um, they have the best fried chicken and mac and cheese. I'll check um, it out. <laughs> yeah, you gotta check it out. Uh, shout out Bob White's. And um, there's this group of kids outside and they were giving me a hard time about my pants and like what I was wearing and they were just going in on me like third and fourth graders. So we're just going back and forth. It's like 11 <laughs> at night. And I'm like, 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 what are you doing in our neighborhood? I'm like, man, I came all the way up. I came all the way down here from the Upper West Side. Like, I love their mac and cheese and their fried chicken. Like, Bob White's is my favorite spot. And they're like, what's Bob White's? And I'm like, how do these guys live across the street from my favorite restaurant that I'm traveling all the way across the city for, like, multiple times a week? And they've never experienced it. Yeah. And I'm just like, dang, like, that's real. So I reached out to their principal, Miss Ramos at PS188, and I'm like, hey, I met some of these knuckleheads outside Bob White's last night. Uh, I'd really like to take them to Bob White's along with some of my favorite restaurants in, in Alphabet City, like Miss Lily's and um, Luke's Lobster. Yeah. And she thought I was crazy, but she's like, all right, you can do it. Like, we'll see how this goes. And uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And now we work with that entire school district, which is like 27 schools. We're in uh, Red Hook, Brooklyn. We're working with that entire school district, which is another 27 schools. And we're working with um, District 5, which is up in Harlem. So um, we're kind of spreading our wings in, uh, in the tri-state area, working with these inner city schools to expose them to things that um, people, exposed our, uh, people exposed us to as young kids that kind of help shape the people that we want to be and the things we aspire to do. So, yeah, I think it's interesting because in hindsight, looking or listening to that episode and listening to those words that Matt said about sitting at his job and being like, okay, I got this college degree. I did all this like, and now I'm just sitting in a desk. <laughs> and like, it's funny because at the time I was just kind of nodding, but I couldn't agree more. Like it's, there's just, I don't know if other people feel like this, but if they do, like if anyone listening has that same kind of itch to start something or is feeling like, you know, they want to do something to give back or to make a difference, please just do it. I mean, if hopefully it's good for humanity. You're hopefully you're like helping people, not hurting. But it's funny because, you know, when Matt started ABC Food Tours and was doing it just as like to a way to help these children. It ends up being the most fulfilling thing that he did. I think who knows bachelor's probably treating him quite well, but you know, same with, with me and this podcast. Like I just did it for fun and little did I know that it was going to be the best thing that's ever happened to my life. And honestly, no, it didn't even happen to my life. I created it in my life. Like I fucking built this and I'm really, really proud of it. And it's the most fulfilling thing in the world. I literally love it just so much. And I can quite literally say that this podcast is, aside from like my family, my close friends, like the best thing in my life. It is just, I, I love it. So thanks, Matt, for helping me <laughs> start launch on a good foot. That's probably not the right word, but uh, get off, uh, start off on the right foot, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. And then obviously, you know, as I 
say quite often, I, I started the podcast both with the goal of learning more about, you know, people's transitions into New York City, as well as raising awareness about mental health and specifically uh, how much it afflicts men and how little they talk about it. So here's a clip of Francis kind of elaborating on that. Because yeah. nobody wants to be this way. Nobody fucking... I think that's the that's the biggest misconception about depression and mental mental illness is that people who don't have it uh, assume that that it is a kind of an indulgence. Yeah. And um, trust me, you know, I am not wallowing. I'm doing everything I fucking can to yeah. to make my brain as you know steady and normal as possible. I, I have a I to, 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 from my diet to my exercise routine to my therapy extremely expensive therapy sessions you know all that shit is, is part and parcel of keeping this machine running despite the fact that there is a severe do- design flaw yeah uh, in in what I who I am so um, there's a great special right now on HBO Gary Goldman's special it's called the Great Depression and he's one of the best comedians in my opinion in the world and roundly known among comedians in new york as being one of the greatest joke writers there is and it's an entire hour about how over the last two years he had such a severe bout of depression and he's been dealing with it his whole life but that he hospitalized himself and uh it's all about his recovery from that and he somehow finds a way to Make it this bubbly, lighthearted, uh, wonderful, you know, pontification on depression, and he truly frames it as a disease and not some, you know, woe is me, feel bad for me, because that's that's it is not, a disease. yeah. I mean. So I remember going. I recorded that at Francis' apartment, and I remember going in, being so nervous like Ubering to the area he lives in and walking in and being like, Oh my God, like, Oh my God, I'm about to like record with this guy who's has his own podcast. He's so legit, whatever. And, and you know, I, I didn't expect much of it as in that. That sounds bad. I didn't expect it to go as deep as it did is what I meant to say. And all of a sudden when Francis gets really honest about, you know, his own battles, I was like, shit, what do I say to this? Like, I am just going to like nod. I mean, I don't know. It was crazy. And I mean, it was amazing for him to open up and I'm so grateful that he did and shared his story. But I just remember being like, whoa, like this is exact and not exactly like what I wanted. That's not like the right way to say it, but it was like, yes, like, look, this guy who I idolized, so many of my guy friends idolized is opening up about mental health. Like, this is exactly what I wanted from this podcast is to have these types of conversations. And I'm so grateful that Francis was so vulnerable at that time and just so thankful to him. And really, he was so generous, generous with his time. I remember like, at the end, the microphone died and we were like, shit, did none of that record? I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to live this like down. Um, but luckily, you know, it was all good. Hey guys, really quick interruption. I promise I'll make this fast. Just wanted to remind you of my two amazing sponsors, which help me, I mean, monetize my podcast. Like I really would not be able to be able to create this, honestly, if I didn't have the support of BetterHelp and Sakara. So quickly, BetterHelp is the largest online counseling service. I use it. I literally just had a session with my amazing therapist. Um, and it, you can speak to your counselor as many times a week as you desire. You can text them. It's, um, it's really great. And if you are at all interested in therapy and don't know where to get started, I would highly recommend BetterHelp. You can get 10% off your first month by using my code um, or going to, to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe. Again, that's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe for 10% off your first month. And then Sakara. Also, amazing. The food was so delicious. You can get it delivered straight to your door, but it's like really nutritious food. So you're not just getting, you know, takeout. It's like 
really like food that's going to you know propel you and power you through the day you can do anything from their like five-day resets to just purchase one-off items from their uh, boutique but if you want to get 20% off your order you can use the code xozoe at checkout so again sakara.com code xozoe at checkout now i'll get back to the episode um, so this next clip is with Matt Chavez, who is the subway therapist. This was so amazing. Like I still, this is still like one of my favorite conversations I've ever had. Matt was like so interesting and he's a Virgo. So, uh, automatically cooler, but I think he just had such a unique perspective on the world um, and then when he shared this story with me, it was, it was one of those moments where like, as he started telling it, I kind of knew where it was going and it was so raw, but so beautiful. So, um, here, I'll just play it again. Cause I think if you feel sorry for people or if you feel too much, then it just doesn't serve the person that you're listening to. I'll give you an example. Yeah. There was a guy that came up and he sat down with me and, uh, this is like fairly late one night I'd been doing a sticky note installation and I put all the sticky notes away and I was sitting down and I was talking to this uh, young woman who happened to stay and she was really interested in the project. And so we were just chatting after and I was like, Oh yeah, like this is so funny because this is what it used to be like. I used to set up the sign and I would be talking to people. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, that's so funny. And then this guy came up and he was like, Hey, what's subway therapy? And I was like, hey, if you want to sit down, like we can have a conversation. I was like, Oh, cool. Like I get to do old subway therapy mm-hmm. for, for like a minute. And, uh, she kind of stood up, but she, she hung around and we were talking to this guy. He was sitting down, she was standing up and I was sitting there and he was like, I didn't, I made all my plans. Like I'm going to end my life and I'm on my way right now to go talk to my ex-wife and I'm oh going to tell gosh. her that I'm going to do it. And I've been playing this for a while and I think I'm just ready to not be alive anymore. Yeah. I was like, well, do you want to talk about it? And we did talk about it. And he was telling me about how I just, instead of really being focused on here's somebody who wants to die, like maybe later tonight, I just wanted to know about him as a person. Mm -hmm. And then I wasn't thinking like, Oh, I must do something about this or, um, if I don't say the right thing, he's going to be dead. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really think that way. I just kind of kept being myself and and then was asking him questions and he was talking. I was like, but you know, like, what, why would you want to stick around? Like, what things do you enjoy doing? He was like, well, you know, I like want to finish. I, I'm like writing a novel. And I was like, that's cool. And he's like, well, you know, I just, you know, I haven't finished it. And I was like, well, you got to finish your novel at least, yeah. you know, and share that with people. And, and he was kind of like, even though he was really sad and ready to not be around anymore, he was just, he was still funny and he had a great smile. And I was like, your smile's so great. It'd be such a shame if like people didn't get to see it. And I was saying things like that to just try and encourage him to see some things that I could see that were really great about him. And, uh, I said, here's my phone number. Give me a call if you need to call someone later, if you're feeling kind of desperate, like, like you, you, you know, like I would be happy for you to be around. And, I, and he told me about it, how his life was really rough and was constantly basically just getting kicked down in different ways for his entire life. And uh, it was really rough. But I gave him my phone number and said, hey, give me a call. And he didn't. And then... Um, about three months afterwards, I got a call from him and he was like, Hey, what's up? Like, it's me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, it's so good to hear from you. Like, how's it going? And he was like, it's good. You know, like things are better now. I'm like, I'm really thankful that you're chatting with me that one night. And I was like, I got you, man. Like it was, it's just so nice to hear you. And we chatted for a little bit and it was really nice. So, yeah. I mean, even though that, that episode, or sorry, that story obviously isn't about Matt, but it's about someone that uh, walked in. I think it just really speaks to the power of giving someone the opportunity to be vulnerable or like opening that door. 
and just checking in with people like this Matt had obviously had no idea who that guy was he just came up to him and he didn't react he just said like here like want to talk about it and that is so powerful like I can't even tell you how much how powerful a conversation can be and even when I'm in my darkest moments like that's I finally learned like in those moments to just reach out to someone like I'll be quite honest last week when I was having a really shit day the day before I had to give the dog back I was like really feeling shitty and I just messaged my therapist on BetterHelp and I was like hey just want to let you know I'm feeling really shitty but I wanted to message you because I'm holding myself accountable to feel better and obviously then we like reconnected the next day um but yeah it was it, it was like a good feeling just to kind of let it out whatever that way it may be it could be writing in a journal it could be recording a podcast if you so desire um but yeah I think you know even in there just like giving a piece of paper like giving sitting down next to someone and like letting them tell their story to you is can save someone's life like quite literally and um yeah, I, that story just gives me chills every single time. So moving on, when I recorded with Ramsey, that was a very scary episode for me. Um, and I say that now, I don't think I really fully <laughs> like addressed how terrifying that was and how terrified I was to record that app not not necessarily record the episode but more so release the episode because I had never really talked about my eating disorder with anyone outside of my family and when I remember I remember preparing that episode and being like this will be my time to share it and again another eight mile moment where I just was like okay it's out in the world and now everyone knows um but it really did stick with a lot of people and I still get messages about that episode and I'm so grateful and for that reason I hear I wanted to share another clip um that hopefully helps anyone who's having a hard time um whether it be for um a, an eating disorder or distorted eating or just anything in that in that realm or just in general um I wanted to play this to give some words of encouragement and like sometimes still, like obviously I'm very, very like well in recovery and I don't ever like want to be back to where I was, but sometimes my brain will like do those things and like, you never like that's sick, like you never your problem won't be that bad, you know? Yeah, it's definitely I feel like a thing that you never fully recover from, but you like will have to deal with the rest of your life and just have the yeah. necessary tools. Exactly. It's about for me, it's just about like daily like maintenance and just like doing what I can each day. Um because eating disorders are so sneaky and they will just try to find their way back in like in every way possible so just like knowing I think like that's something that um I've really like grown I feel like recently with like the past few months is like I've been able to like recognize like what is the eating disorder voice versus like what is my own voice a lot more because I used to be like oh it's just me it's just my head and I'm making up these rules and these things for me but like no like when my brain says like don't ever don't do this like that's not me yeah it's it's like something completely outside like outside of you exactly so moving on um, when I recorded with Lindsay Metzlar that was like a dream come true (laughs) like I sound like such a fangirl right now but it literally was because this is like so embarrassing, but part of the reason I started the podcast is because I had reached out to Lindsay to be on We Met at Acme <laughs> to talk about my um, dating life in New York or like lack thereof. I was like, I have such a great perspective. And she kindly said, yes, you know, if we get any one canceling and I was like, cool, <laughs> shoot your shot. Um, and then when I was able to have her on, it was like, my life has gone full circle. This is crazy. But in addition to just having like such a great conversation, um, one thing that I really admire about Lindsay is her commitment to stop drinking and just really be sober, not for like any real reasons, except for like wanting to be her best self. 
And um, so I wanted to play this little clip where we talk about it more and then I'll give my thoughts after um, after the clip ends. I feel like like as I've gotten older, because I'm like not allergic to wine and I've just been having like emotional hangovers where it's Mm. especially as someone who, you know, is like anxious a lot. And like I did suffer with depression. It's not fun to like induce yourself with something that you is just going to make you feel worse. Right. But it's not that it's like hard, but I feel like because I'm young and not the people who are in my life still are like want to go out and black out. I guess like how and I it's not that I want to separate myself from them because I realize that I like I am still like 24 and people like take different times to realize like yeah. when they want to slow down their drinking habits and things like that but I guess how what like what would your advice be for someone like my age who's hanging out with like my all of my colleagues are young 20s and want to do happy hours every day like what would your advice be for someone who's kind of doesn't want that lifestyle yeah well definitely just pick and choose like if you do feel like you want to go to happy hour or don't I don't think those coworkers will have anything against you or friends like if they're if they're good friends and also like if you do want to hang out with them and go to that happy hour you don't have to get a million drinks you can get one drink you can nurse it the whole time you can get a diet coke and no one who doesn't have like an issue is gonna say anything and and also like 24 is really hard because it for me it was a time where like all my friends were doing coke and all my friends were you know partying and and going out and me included um but I never felt like for like the coke thing for example i never was into coke like i just didn't like the way that it made me feel so i would just like you know chill like hang out when they were doing it like and not pass judgment and just kind of try to focus on me um but it can be really hard i feel like when everyone around you is is kind of doing the same thing i think that's how like the weed stuff got worse and worse for me because all my friends were smoking just as much. So yeah, I was hanging out with them. I think that the frustrating part now is like, like, but I don't feel like I need to just justify myself for just saying like, I just don't want to drink. Right. Whereas a lot of people will be like, Oh, but like, why not? What, you know? And mm. I get it, I guess, because a lot of people are still in this college mindset, but I guess it's just something that I have to. I think people feel uncomfortable when it's not like an even playing field. Like people will like, especially at 24, I can remember people being like, come on, drink, like get on our level. Come on. And it's just like their own insecurity. Yeah. It's because like they're lost still and like new and like don't know. They just don't want to be alone in what whatever they're doing yeah or it's one of those things where they're thinking in their heads well like why isn't she like should i not be exactly so it's just a projection so i think about that episode with Lindsay a lot i mean for a number of reasons obviously and that particular segment i just it's funny i mean i think like this pandemic has definitely had me reflect on my like drinking habits and going out habits a lot because I haven't really been doing much of either since I've been home so or since I've been staying at home and then like the few times that I've recently gone out I'm like whoa this sucks the next day when I'm like super hungover and so I don't know I just it's it's interesting listening back on that because obviously I'm a little removed from that whole like peer pressure drinking thing. But I, I feel like, I don't know, whoever's listening can maybe relate. And if you do, like hit me up. But it's, I still kind of fall victim to being like, not giving into the peer pressure, but feeling like, oh, it is me, but like then taking a step back and being like, no, if I want to stay in on Friday and watch a movie and like chill, that's totally normal and totally fine. And the people who are 
saying otherwise are dealing with their own shit and trying to like make me feel bad or not trying to make me feel bad, but more so like need to justify that what they're doing is quote unquote normal or quote unquote like, okay. Noah Khan. How can I even begin to describe this day? This was probably one of the best days of my life. Um, Noah came over pretty early and I had my cousin there because she's a huge fan. Shout out Allie. And um, he brought his guitar. Noah is quite literally the coolest person I've ever met. Like so freaking down to earth. Such an amazing singer. So funny. Everyone go listen to his music now if you don't already. When he played Trouble of Mine, which I... <laughs> stay tuned to the end of this episode. Um, that was probably the best one of the best moments of my life. Um, and I'll treasure that day forever. But anyway, I wanted to play this part of the episode because I use these words a lot. And uh, I'll just explain after. Do you find that process to be cathartic? I or do. Or like singing in general? I really do. I think when I write a song that I feel like is really truthful and actually speaks to what I'm going through, it it just takes an, an immense weight off my shoulders. And mm-hmm. songwriting is so personal and so challenging that when you finally do kind of crack the code on a song, it, it just feels like an, an, an insane amount of weight off, off of my back. And it's a pretty hard feeling to describe. It's just like undeniable success is it's really nice. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, it's funny because I've talked to people who do all different sorts of art in a way. And even though you know, <laughs> podcasting isn't an art per se, just sure the it act is, it is. in its own way, it's a, you know, a means of expression is a good way of putting it. But I find it so cathartic just to talk about things over the microphone and just letting them be as opposed to holding them in. And like, I'm a very open person regardless, right. but even though I'm talking to a number of strangers who are going to hear this Monday, like it just feels good to let it go. Yeah. There's like, you're speaking something into existence. Like, yeah, exactly. Be it like on, on paper, like with your voice or into a song, like you're saying something that is inside of you. And that is like in itself cathartic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think podcasting is an art. Like it's an art to get of the the art of conversation is, is difficult. True. That's a really good way of saying it. Definitely. It's definitely cathartic. Yeah, so as you can see, Noah's the one that coined that term speaking words into existence. And if you have ears, you will notice that I say that literally in all my episodes now. But it's true. It's that same concept of the eight mile. Like there's something so therapeutic about putting your thoughts and feelings out there, whether it be through poetry, whether it be through writing or singing or art. It's just like, it just feels like a huge weight is lifted off your shoulders. And that's why I love podcasting. If I could sing, I bet I would be doing that, but I can't. So here I am just talking, but it feels fucking amazing. And, and shout out Noah for just phrasing that so beautifully because (laughs) I've definitely uh, taken that into my uh, vernacular and I'm constantly using it. When I had that episode with Chelsea, Chelsea Curtis, um, that was, I honestly didn't know much about her, but I felt like we were such kindred spirits and I was surprised she was an Aries because I'm a Virgo and I felt like we had a lot more in common, (laughs) but she, we talked about, um, the four agreements and I wanted to quickly play this clip from that episode because it was something that I, I continue to think about and, um, yeah, I'm going to reflect on it after the plays. Again, if you're giving yourself unconditional love, it's just so much easier to give other people unconditional love. And if you understand yourself and, you know, are easy on yourself, it's easier to be easier on others and um, like yeah. more accepting of them too. Have you ever seen... Because I found even... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you, you first, because this is like a different tangent. Um, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, even I found myself remembering when... You know, I was like struggling the most with my negative self-talk was 
I was also super judgmental of other people, like other people's bodies, not even, not that I would like bully anybody, but in my mind, like I would think I was just like so analytical of other people as well. So I was like so quick to say like other people's bad habits or other people's, you know, problems that they were dealing with because I had so many of my own and I was so hard on my, I was harder on myself than I was even on them. But as soon as I started to be, again, more loving to myself, I noticed this isn't even something I was trying to do. I just noticed that I became way more, you know, loving. And, yeah. And like laissez-faire about people's lives. Wait, that's so interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about that. But now I'm reflecting on my own life and like I feel the same way. Like I feel like I judge yeah. people so much less. And I, I, for lack of a better word, like shit talk so much less. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And that's it's crazy. especially I feel like, again, it's, what people have you ever read the book the four agreements yeah I have it in my <laughs> no but I have it on my bookshelf oh yeah um it's just my favorite book ever because I feel like it just puts everything into such good perspective it's quick it's short it's to the point and it just covers every single area I've ever struggled with and probably everyone struggles with and it just helps with being so accepting of other people because you realize that when people are you know and this is off another this is on another topic of like dealing with criticism or dealing with people who, you know, are saying mean things to you or whatever, um, is I think he's phrases it like emotional poison or venom or whatever. And he says, when somebody is like poisoned, basically they have this hatred in them. They're hurting. They want to spread that to other people and get it out of them. It doesn't get it out of them. It just like spreads it basically. So they're going to like spit their poison at you and you don't have to accept that poison. You just don't let it in your body. And um, you have to understand that it's because they're coming from a place of hurt. Yeah. Like no, nobody who's just like happy with themselves and loves themselves is like going around, you know, just bashing other people. So that whole thing of like when you're spitting poison and I – it's so funny because I so agree with it. And like, I really have seen a change in myself where, and I I mean, I'm constantly working on it, but I'm sure everyone listening has those people in their lives who just never say a bad word about anyone. And I would love you all, whoever's listening, just think, think about and reflect on those people and think about how good you feel when you're with them. And also like, I don't know. I, I know that there's times where I'm with a friend and I'll vent and about someone else. Hopefully this is less now than it, I, you know, I would previously, but, and I'm just like, wait a minute, like, why am I like when, when they just don't respond or have anything to add, it, it kind of makes you take a step back and be like, wow, like, I don't know why I was saying that. Like, I don't know. It's just true. And I really, really try now to be impeccable with my word and I really try to not just um, talk about people for no reason or to fill the time because it there's that quote and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, right, it's by Eleanor Roosevelt and she says, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. Love that quote. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of a a similar point to what Chelsea was saying in, in our conversation. So moving on, I wanted to end with Caroline's episode because, well, for a number of reasons, for one thing, y'all all love this episode and I did as well. I mean, Caroline is hilarious and she was just so honest and really authentic I mean about her experience with bipolar disorder and I learned honestly a lot about what she and other people who um, have this disorder go through and just really fascinating but it was also just a fun conversation I thought and um, I think what stuck with me in particular was our little like conversation or section on whether or not our mental illness or mental health issues like define us 
Um, so I'll play the clip right now and then I'll give you my thoughts and kind of how they've been resonating with me after the episode, um, you know, premiered. But what I think is interesting is separating your like own personality from like your mental illness mm-hmm. or if that even needs to be separated is the question. I think it's like part of Caroline, like me, part of you, Zoe is like this, you know, outgoing kind of like, I mean, not to like, you know, say this sounds like a little like, like, you know, tooting my own horn in a way, but like, you know, I walk into a room and like, I will grab people's attention and it's maybe because I'm too loud. I might annoy them. You know, I might be like a pain in their ass. Like I'm not trying to be, but I'm saying like, that's maybe what they perceive me like what, whatever way it's happening. I'm like grabbing the attention of the room. I feel like you're the same. I always want to make jokes, stuff like that. Um, and so it's like, is my humor, is this whole like, kind of like, like extroversion, this sort of creative, kind of creativeness, not like, I'm not like doing it, like I, I sing sometimes, but like the kind of like creativeness that comes when, I, I know it sounds like kind of like a little like Gen z but like, you know, a Finsta or like things yeah. like that, where you're like, humor in itself is creative. So it's like, did I gain any of the, like, do I have any of those skills because I'm like Caroline or cause I'm bipolar or is there even a difference? Yeah. So it just so, I mean, it, that was just so crazy to me. I'd never really thought about it, but the minute Caroline started talking about how, you know, who is, am I Caroline because of my bipolar disorder? Like, am I, is my mania, what makes me this fun person, it really got me thinking too because in a similar way, I feel like I'm my most fun when I'm my most self-destructive, I guess, sometimes it feels like that. And it really brings into question like, or at least at the time I was like kind of having this internal conflict, like am I only me Zoe because of my mental health problems and if I were quote-unquote like normal would I not be this fun crazy person who I am or is that something separate altogether and I think in the past couple of weeks I've just begun to reframe it and think to myself okay Zoe like Or I guess, okay, if thinking about it in a different way, those times where I hate my anxiety and I hate how, you know, self-deprecating I am and those times just when I'm in an anxious state or depressed mode, those are the times when I need to sit back and reflect and being like, okay, this will pass. And I don't know, it just gives a different side to my inner demons. It's like, okay, they have... Yes, they they make me like not be able to sleep sometimes or cry myself to sleep, but they also, you know, (laughs) make me on time for a lot of things and make me a really great friend because I always follow through with things and I'm always supportive. So I think just seeing both sides is almost, it almost like that Glennon Doyle quote. I think I mentioned this in an previous episode but it was like the beginning of the episode um but yeah oh my gosh it is like that quote and I'll I'll read it again I've got these conditions anxiety depression addiction and they almost killed me but they're also my superpowers the sensitivity that me that led me to addiction is the same sensitivity that makes me a really good artist the anxiety that makes it difficult to exist in a world where so many people are in so much pain and that makes me a relentless activist the fire that burned me up for the first half of my life is the exact same fire I'm using now to light up the world, end quote. If that isn't just like the perfect summary of seeing the good in, you know, your quote unquote issues, then I don't know what else is. But again, thank you, Glennon, for always putting my thoughts into such beautiful words um but yeah i guess that's really all i had to say in terms of summarizing
told you love if you could see it from my eyes You'd understand my fear of everything inside I know that lately I've been trying hard to find To fix my troubled mind My brain's a dog asleep that I cannot let lie Cloudy head, but I can't find a single silver line And guess there is no hope for me in sight To fix this troubled mind But I worry for the sun, yes I worry for the snow I worry I'll die young, oh I worry I'll grow old I worry for the time I spent worrying alone It makes me sad it takes me back I break in half I took a bus out to the city where you live Eavesdropped on strangers' conversations with their kids And hoped that maybe they'd say something relevant To ease my troubled head Every mile the past just amplified my fear I started counting all the times I saw you last year And suddenly it all became so clear It was sadly making sense I worry for the sun, yes I worry for the snow I worry I'll die young while I worry I'll grow old Oh I worry for the time I spend worrying alone It makes me sad takes me back I break in half mm -hmm. Yes, I worry for the sun Oh, I worry for the snow I worry I'll die young Oh, I worry I'll grow old Oh, I worry for the time I spend Worrying alone It makes me sad takes me back I break in half I break in half I break in half Told you love if you could see it from my eyes You'd understand my fear of everything inside I know I quickly sell my heart for some advice on how to ease a troubled mind Thank you.